Welcome to the Thomas Anonymous Show with your host, Tommy Natoli. That's me. This is the best LGBTQ plus podcast featuring members and allies of the community. They share their experiences growing up, coming out, and all the fun in between. It's hilarious, poignant, and salacious. So you better buckle up, because it's going to be a truthful, sparkly ride. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, fake audience. And thank you so much, real audience. You know, for people that are listening and downloading. I see all those little downloads all over this insane world. So I just want to start this show by saying thank you. Yay, you. Okay, today's podcast is phenomenal, you guys. My guest today is the wonderfully charming and multi-talented Matthew Nuriel, a.k.a. The Empress... He is one of the hosts on the amazing podcast, Cooking the Queens, which I love and you can check out on iTunes anytime. But also Matthew is an amazing drag performer and artist, a true advocate for LGBTQ plus rights and who had to take a breath and recently honored with the Trailblazer Award at the JQ International Impact Awards. Pretty cool. I met Matthew 12 years ago. Can you believe that? 12 years ago! Outside the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard, I just finished a whopping five-minute set at a Vargas Mason Bringer show. I roll. And I'll, uh, I'll never forget seeing him as soon as he walked out the front of the club. He headed right to the back where I was, like, smoking coolly. Anyway, um, I was just hoping, like, oh, my God, don't walk over here, don't walk over here. And, of course, he walked over there. And uh, after that, I totally had a huge crush, and I was convinced he was straight. And I have a bit more to add to that story, but I'm going to save it for part two, because this is just part one. That's right. I know. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Cue the fake applause for Thomas Anonymous and the Empress. Yeah, I, I, it was, I believe it was at the comedy store when we met. I could be wrong. Nope, um, that's true. I thought, I thought, I thought that, that I thought you were a straight guy. I was like, who's this straight guy? Like, what's going on with, the, what's going on with the straight guy? Like talking to comedians. But, um. Me? Was, you I thought was, I was a straight guy? Yeah. Oh, I was, I was so like, just, just so dumb. I feel like when I was 26, like I was just oh like, God. I had no idea like what, what was going on around me. So yeah, um, I do. I remember meeting and then of course, like, uh, when I figured everything out and was like, oh, everyone's gay. Great. Got it. Um, that's so but yeah. funny. I thought. <laughs> I I thought you were a straight guy and I had a crush on you. Oh, I had yeah, I I had here's the thing. I had a huge crush on you and I was like you did. <laughs> yeah. I did cuz I was like I was I was so convinced this guy had like a wife inside cuz I felt like at the time that's all I ever attracted was like um some kind of like married rest stop situation. Oh so God. yeah, um I was just so I was so oblivious and so dumb and just and and I feel like I was, you know, comedy wise, like so toxic at the time because I just was so like obsessed with like masculinity. And, and anyway, yeah, I was just I was a hot mess. But yeah, I, I, I met <laughs> most of everyone I know back then. And it's been interesting to, you know, you have these comedy acquaintances. And um, it's like I was telling Teddy, like we get the the luxury of like seeing each other through social media over the years, like to see. Yeah. You know, even though we don't see each other all the time, I feel like we've all seen each other like with drag and everything that everyone's doing. And so it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. I mean, there's you know, I stopped doing stand up comedy probably five, I want to say five years ago, maybe even more at this point. Um, best decision nice. I ever made. Um, FYI, Absolutely. Um, no shade to people doing comedy. It just. I don't think it was for me. But yeah, there, there's, it's interesting to see who, like, it's interesting. I just recently went through my Facebook where I had like, I don't know, 4,000 Facebook friends. And I didn't know the majority of them. I just remember when I started doing comedy, like all these comedians start adding, yes. adding all these comedians. Yes. And I'm like, sitting here going five years into not doing comedy. I'm like, why are all these people on my Facebook feed? Like, I don't know these people. <laughs> so I literally went through, like, it took days of just like, do I know this person? Do I want to keep this person? I like deleted yeah. all of these people that I didn't know. Um, and you're one of the people that didn't get deleted. Um, yes. And <laughs> it's just cool <laughs> to see the people that I actually felt a real sort of connection with, whether it was 10 years ago or whether yeah. it's now that I've kept um, in my life, whether it be on social media or in real life or whatever. So 
Oh my god, um, I love oh that. Oh my god, I it says that. you wait, it says you've got a message. What is that? Do I need to do that or did you get the message too? Yeah, you so you don't have to worry about that, but we did get a message. We've got three listeners. Let's I'm gonna play the message and see if it's hateful or loveful. Oh it's a fart. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. This is so elegant. It really is. It's class at its like highest level. It really is. But uh <laughs> but yeah, um, I totally feel like I, I did the same thing. You actually did better than I did because I I didn't get through the whole list of people. But I, you know, I stopped doing stand up for real, real, probably even a little bit before that, like five or six years ago. And now oh, I, I just didn't do know that. I, 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 well, I do it when, you know, Bobby needs a host. Like I'll go host a show or I'll go do her mm. fundraiser. But like I literally just do my friend Bobby's shows and I don't, I'm not pursuing comedy. It's not something I, I just, I, I started to hate it so much. It was so like, I don't know, misogynistic and homophobic and, and I hated mm. bars. And I was like, why am I, why am I sitting in a place I hate listening to some guy I hate? Like, this is ridiculous. Ugh. So, um, it's true. yeah, I feel you. I totally feel you. And, um, yeah, I also tried to get rid of, um, the people I didn't know, but I didn't have the kind of follow through you did. So, so good for you. That's what your feed probably is so much better now. Oh my God. There's only, there's like, I have a thousand Facebook friends now, maybe like just under a thousand. And I'm so happy that it's like, okay, I know that I know everybody here on some level. So, yeah. Um, but I wanted to touch on the comedy thing that was really interesting. One of the reasons I stopped doing it was because you mentioned how toxic it is, was mm-hmm. that I, I found myself. And it's no secret. I've had struggles with depression and anxiety my whole life, but I found myself wanting to remain in a mis- in in misery because misery created comedy for me. And I think that's the case for a lot of comedians. And yeah. I think it was just the most unhealthy sort of thing to keep up with. It was just like, why? Okay, I get it that I find misery funny, which is twisted in itself but why am I putting myself in this situation where it's like I have to continuously remain miserable so that I can find what's funny in it so that I can perform it for other people like it just didn't work for me anymore so that's so so true we I mean a lot of us that's where that's where it works for us and I think what I connect to with that is that like it's it, the misery still there, but by not doing stand up, it's just there as a moment in the day. And you know what I mean? Like it passes and it happens and it's still funny, you know, like you're you're still funny. We're still funny. It's just I don't know. Like you don't need that part of it anymore. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And another thing. Oh, God, I'm going to get hate from a lot of comedians for this. But there is a level of desperation <laughs> that I could not stand being around anymore. Like this like level of like, I have to be funny to everyone and I have to make sure everyone, I'm talking about backstage, not even on stage. Oh, yeah. like, I have to be oh, cracking yeah. all the jokes and everybody has to know that I'm the funny guy in the room. It's just so fucking desperate. Like, stop. I don't, it's not necessary, you know? Oh my God. <sighs> Matthew, yes, that is, that's what I hated the most. That's why I was the worst comedian because I never networked. I would go, I'd do my thing and then I'd, I'd like say thank you to the person and then I'd fucking leave because that was the worst part for me. It was like, listening to everyone afterwards basically like continue on with like it's like kind of like an unofficial set you know with like with the with the the chit chat and the banter and the and the yes ending and i just i couldn't deal with it and yeah and i just couldn't deal with like straight guys talking about their dicks and i just i can't i can't i can't (laughs) if you're a straight guy talking about your dick it better be in my face otherwise i don't Now that is integrity I can get behind. I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you posted something a couple weeks ago and it's like, well, I mean, I love all of the pictures that you post as the Empress. I love it. I love how like open you are about like stories. Like you posted about like uh, being in the schoolyard and wearing pink. And that was like, that is the Thomas Anonymous show. That's like, I mean, we talk about silly fun things, but that's like when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad he's coming on because that was like my childhood. I mean, that was I was so afraid when I was six at the Boys and Girls Club to say that my favorite color was hot pink. You know, I fucking mm. loved hot pink. I loved it. <laughs> but I couldn't say it because it was just so like people don't understand like how, you know, depending on where you're raised and, and stuff, like how degraded you're kind of meant to feel uh, just based off what you what you like. So. So, like, where was that? Where did you grow up? I, I grew up in London in the UK until I was 14 years old. And um, I went to Orthodox Jewish school during that time. Wow. So that, that incident that I posted about um, took place in, I guess, kindergarten. Because I, 
we had a school uniform, but in kindergarten, we didn't have to wear a school uniform yet. Um, so that's when that took place. And, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot in my childhood at that school specifically that I, I was so otherized because my parents were immigrants from Iran. I was a brown kid in an, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jewish terminology, but this was an Ashkenazi Orthodox school. So Ashkenazi are, for lack of a better term, um, Jews who, after the diaspora, ended up in Europe. So, for lack of a better term, mm. white Jews. Got I consider it. Jews white, but white Jews. Um, yeah. And I'm one of like three brown kids. So already I stand out. Secondly, oh, my wow. family's not even Orthodox. So what was I doing in this Orthodox school? It's typical sort of <laughs> right. like, it's, it's very immigrant mentality. Like we want him to retain his Jewish identity. So we'll put him in the most Jewish school we can find, which was just <laughs> a terrible idea. Right. So I had no idea what was going on, why everyone knew how to speak Hebrew. I was like, what was happening? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Like, there was that. And then to top it off, I was very femme. Like, I was just a femme presenting kid. And I, at, you know, at that age, specifically in kindergarten, like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. It was just who I was. And, you know, you hear about trans kids who are like, didn't knew that their body was wrong. Like, I didn't have that. Like, I didn't feel like I was yeah. in the wrong body. What I did feel was, I don't understand why everyone's telling me I'm supposed to act like a boy. I didn't understand that the whole concept of this gender, you know, these gender norms or, or these ideas over what you're supposed to do according to your gender. Um, oh, and yeah. that incident, you know, was one, that specific incident that I Instagrammed about was a very pivotal moment for me because I, I think that's why I remember it so well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I was also, I was such a femme little boy and, 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 you know, I'm trying to, I, I think I got it both from home and at school, but I'm like, I, your, your post kind of made me start thinking like, was it more, you know, the social structure of school that really started to make me feel that way? Or was it like at home? I mean, honestly, I feel like it was both just because where I grew up was very like blue collar and, and straight, but it's interesting how like, I mean, these kids are like little sponges and, and, yeah. you know, they're not stupid. And I felt like as a kid, I was more intuitive in it. And I knew, I knew what adults wanted me to be and what they didn't want me to be. And I was definitely acting the way they didn't want me to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, two things. First of all, I'm so surprised to hear you say that because I, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I met you, I thought you were like this Italian East Coast, like, I don't know what the word is, but like, hey, yo, you know, like Vinny, come over here. Like, like a fucking asshole. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was that. That's why I, I always say uh, when I started comedy, my 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 act was toxic because my whole thing was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm a fucking gay guy, but I'm a cool gay guy because I don't mm. act like a gay guy. Like it was just horrible. And yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't until I kind of stopped doing comedy that I was able to, like, actually find more of myself. Um that was not that at all like that's that's just like that's been the the defense that's been the decoy like since forever like you know yeah. i i i had such a girly voice i used to go steal cigarettes and like fifth grade i was trying to smoke cigarettes to like get my voice down you know i wanted to like i wanted a raspy <laughs> voice i was like fucking crazy but um oh but yeah God. so that person that you met was i mean that's why i say i was crazy because i I was so fake. Like <laughs> I was just like trying desperately to like give people what I thought they wanted and, and be this, you know, I don't know, super cool gay guy. And it was just like, it was yeah. ridiculous. It's really sad. I, I mean, I, I totally can relate to that because I think I, I was doing a lot of the same thing. I mean, I wasn't intentionally trying to butch it up, but I do recall intentionally deciding like okay one if i'm going to talk about my gayness i'm going to talk about it in a way that's very like i'm removed from super gayness if yeah. that makes sense like i i did i performed at a gay cruise ship and i remember writing jokes about it talking about how it was just too much gay and um <laughs> yeah and i i feel like it was my it was my truth at that time but what i think what i didn't realize at the time was that my truth was not was coming from a place of internalized homophobia like it, it was oh yeah as you said toxic um so i can totally relate to that and the problem with stand-up comedy as well is this this idea that you're kind of encouraged to create this character of yourself and then once you're in it you kind of i felt like you kind of get stuck in it like i felt 
you know, I'm British. So I felt all this pressure to when I first started comedy, I just came back from being in London for like a month or something. So my accent was in full force. And I thought this was an advantage. And I felt yeah. well, after a few months, I was like, oh, shit, my accent's starting to fade as it does. Uh, anybody right. who's, you know, transcontinental would understand this. But I felt this pressure to maintain it because, oh, my God, now I've created this this image or this person or this character and you're supposed to create this character and be this character and be this person all the time. And I know that's not the truth now. Like, of course you can grow and you can show your growth and your change, but it, it, I did feel this pressure to maintain this kind of whatever it is that I've worked to create. Um, and I don't like that as a human being. I don't like that. I like growth. I like change. I like going with the flow. So, yeah. Me yeah. too. And, I feel like, you know, and this is like a whole another side topic when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community is like that is that, you know, like at the time I was like, I, I came out at 25. So like I was fresh out. I thought that coming out of the closet like meant that I was cured, you know, like coming out meant like everything was like, you know, fixed. And oh. I looked to this, you know. I guess what I thought was the community, but, but really all it was teaching me was that gay guys wanted mask for mask and they want, yeah. you know, I, I thought I was like, you know, I was doing like intense research, like giving, giving the people what they wanted, but really again, <laughs> just feeding into that, like, like we said, that toxic side of things. And it was just like, Ugh, it's so gross. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> well, it's also interesting. Cause we're talking about, uh, I think it's over 10 years ago now that I started doing comedy. I started doing it at the end of 2008. Right. And I stopped yeah. in about yeah. 2000. 14. So in this short, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, 10 years, 11 years is a, is a pretty short period of time. And the things have changed so much. We have language now that we didn't have 10 years ago. We, we yeah. understand yeah. things better that we didn't understand 10 years ago. So I think uh, as a community, we're in a really cool place in that regard. Um, and I hope you know, that we continue moving in the direction of kind of stripping away and letting go of all of these internalized homophobic concepts, you know, which is what Mask for Mask is. Absolutely. And I, I will say that uh, my good friend Bobby Oliver, when it was uh, a regular city that you could go to places, um, you know, the reason why I, I still will and love going up at her place is because it's a super LGBTQ plus friendly, you know, they have the rainbow mics and it's just uh, you know she doesn't allow people to do rape jokes like victim rape jokes um it's a great environment and it, and it really does make a difference you know when you when you go everywhere else in the city um yeah. to have a cool place so shout out to bobby oliver for uh Dow shout out to bobby oliver. i love bobby oliver i haven't seen her in years but i adore bobby oliver i remember yeah her. i hope they uh i hope they make yeah. it through the the the, pan, the pandy as uh teddy would say <laughs> yeah. um i'm gonna play we got a couple messages i want to say hello listeners if you're there uh welcome to the thomas anonymous show uh appreciate you guys being here i'm gonna see what you guys experience is it hard doing comedy or is it easy um it's hard it's horrible it's it's um <laughs> it's masochistic i mean <laughs> yeah it's hard it's, it's tough it's interesting it's actually i want to say it's one of those things is when it's good it's not hard like when you're in the flow of it you're having an amazing scent a set and there's like this amazing rapport and give and take with the audience it becomes effortless which is the goal but the majority yeah. of the time that is not the case. The majority of the time, you're desperately trying to figure out what's funny, desperately trying to make people laugh, desperately trying to get people to like you is what stand-up comedy is. And that's hard. And it's very freeing to stop. <laughs> it you certainly know, is. It really is. Because <laughs> you get, My you, friend, you, um, you know how Nina, insane it is. You know Nina Manny, right? Of course, she was uh, she was a guest on like the original Thomas Anonymous. So I have to figure out how to get that out there again. But yes, I love Nina. Flawless. She's one of the few that I've stayed in contact with. And a couple of weeks ago, she posted on her Facebook something about, um, I'm so depressed. I'm thinking about <laughs> doing stand-up comedy again. <laughs> I saw and that. I, I haven't like really proper. We were very close, but I haven't really had a regular kind of friendship with her since. 
um, stand-up comedy. Yeah. Not, we didn't have a falling out or anything. It was just like our lives went in different directions. And I immediately texted her. I was like, listen, I know we haven't spoken like regularly in a long <laughs> time, but I just want you to know that I'm here for you anytime and always. And she's like, oh no, I mean, isn't everybody depressed right now? I'd be worried about the people that aren't depressed. And I'm like, right. absolutely right. <laughs> but you wrote that you're thinking about doing stand-up comedy again. And that to me is a major alarm. Like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny like this is an emergency i'm like getting on the phone right yeah. now with you <laughs> and nina exactly. was i mean talk about great i mean like every time i saw nina on stage i was like fuck yeah i love this girl oh my god but you know she gets it too it's 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 horrible <laughs> yeah yeah but kudos to people that are doing it and doing it well and that are, are loving it and sticking with it like hats off totally you guys are really funny Oh, thanks, Reese's. Rachel. Thank you. Nice I love the music girl. in the background there, too. Yeah, she's multitasking. She's, like, listening to podcasts and she's watching cartoons. It sounded like a cartoon. I think, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back to you, you, you. Um, so, Relax. like, when did you when did you know, like, oh, my God, totally gay? Well, I mean, like, how, how did that play out? Like, did you, were you, like, a come out early kind of, kind of kid? Yeah. Or was it? a while walk me through that so firstly i think everybody knew i was gay except for me when i was like little like a kid like i remember throwing a tantrum in the (laughs) department store in london screaming like i must have been four years old like screaming bloody murder because i wanted uh, in in england we had at the time cindy which was a doll like barbie and i wanted one so bad and my parents wouldn't buy me one um and I just threw the biggest, like, Cancerian, like, <laughs> fucking temper tantrum with waterworks and everything. Um, so I was pretty freaking queer at a very young age. And I think that I remember the first time I said it out loud, I must have been 13 years old. And it was to my neighborhood friend who was also a boy who I think was queer. I don't know. I'm not in contact with him anymore. I believe he's married with kids now, but that's a whole different thing. Um, (laughs) Most of them are. (laughs) Yeah. He's very successful. I'm married with kids now. And I'm like, fucking hell, where did I go wrong? (laughs) Um, I could have been the wife. Um, Right. (laughs) We kind of used to fool around a little bit when we were like 13 years old. I remember saying to him once, you know, I think we're gay. And mm. he just shut the fuck down. Like, he shut down completely. Um, oh, yeah. And then when I moved here when I was 14, it was a very different environment than London, spe- specifically very different from going to, like, a Jewish school. And I'm not talking about, like, one of these, like, American, like, reformed schools. Like, it was, like, old school Jewish school. Um, So I was exposed to, like, a, a much larger uh, variety of people. And I made friends and friends who were very open and cool um i mean i still got bullied but i had people on my side um and i came out by the time i was 15 and interestingly enough my mother was the first person i told i was gay before that i told people i was bisexual um but the reason i told her i was gay was because i didn't want her to have like a glimmer of hope like right right (laughs) you know what i mean like i knew i was i was not bisexual i knew i was not bisexual so well, a lot of us do that, uh, the, the bi thing. I did that with my dad. You know, my mom, I didn't, me and my mom have a very d- detached, like, Sicilian-Italian, like, we haven't spoken in years kind of relationship. So, like, I, I just sent her a Mother's oh Day God. card that said, like, I'm gay, wicked, wicked gay. And it was super rude. But my dad, <laughs> I, my dad was, like, I, I really eased in. You know, I, I, I told him, you know, I sent him an email because he's, he's the uh, person I moved out here to like live with you know I was I was an east coast boy and and my dad lived like well he said he lived right outside LA but like it was fucking two hours up in the mountains and yeah and so before I got here you know I I just was like you know I just want you to know I like girls but I also like boys and uh you know I had to ease in with the bi thing but he was so cool about it I probably never even had to do that you know so it was something Yeah, it was, it was like, he actually ended up being so cool about it. You know, my mom, you know, we didn't speak for a few years after that Mother's Day card, but, uh, but yeah, he was a little bit too cool about it sometimes. Like, no, dad, I don't want to talk about dick with you. Like, just like, go, you know, like it was just like, he was, he was very cool and he's, he's passed away since, but like, it was, it was a very cool, 
um, experience to, you know, because I didn't grow up with my dad. I met him when I was 12. And then uh, when I was like 24, decided I was going to come out here and try to get to know mm-hmm. him. And, and I did. And it was cool. It was a very great experience. But, um, but yeah, it's wow. funny how moms and dads really take that news differently. And a lot of us kind of go that by route, um, you know, because it's like, just tipping tipping your toes in the water first yeah and it's it's i think it's also i think i don't think we realize it at the time but we're trying to protect ourselves more so than you know anything else um and for some reason being bisexual seemed a little bit more acceptable but it's interesting because i felt like when i when i came out to my mom you know my dad still he stayed in london so he's still Mm -hmm. in london and he was who I was scared of. And I thought my mom would be way more accepting because when my parents split up, she went to beauty school and she was always talking about this gay instructor that she had at hair school and how funny he was. Um, oh. So I thought she would be cool with it, but she was not cool with it at all. And I begged her not to tell my dad and she told him. And I found out, you know, years down the line that he actually took it upon himself to read books and to watch documentaries. And he's like... The most oh embracing and cool dad in the world. Like, he's so chill about it. Um, and my mom, who came to accept it to a degree, who I feel bad saying this because she's passed away as well now, but um, oh, I don't think she fully accepted it because in the Iranian Jewish community here in L.A., it's a very reputation and shame-based society. So yeah. I, it became very much this sort of thing like, like well, if you're going to be gay don't act like that and make sure you're like the best at everything you do. Uh, Make sure you get a good job because then you're respectable. And it's like, well, that's bullshit, you know? Yeah. Um, And I never fit into that. So it's just interesting. I like, I'm so like first from the, from the tantrum in the store to, to uh, (laughs) the mom, you know, saying, saying that like, there's just so much in common right now. Cause like my mom was very similar. She's, she was like, you know, I don't, um, I, I really like that you're not fairy acting or something weird like that. It was like, you don't act like a fruit. I, it was very, it was yeah. super like fucking rude. Yeah. But she thought she was being so like nice. You know, she thought that it was like a compliment. Like, you know, I don't mind that you're gay because you don't act like a fag basically. And yeah. and that just, you know, that just put, put wood on the fire, the, the horrible, you know, everything we've been talking about with like trying to be something I'm not. Did Were you ever like, forced to like do like gender specific activities as a kid like uh, yeah. i don't know if they had boy scouts or whatever the fuck they have yeah um but like all that um, kind of stuff yes sir i did um i my parents put me in karate classes which i i didn't last because i absolutely hated it um Ugh, i specifically horrible. remember that being a very intentional let's butch him up kind of situation yeah and then there was also the boy scouts which i didn't hate but Me i don't either. think i was in there for that long i think i was there for a few months but i didn't hate the boy scouts but I- i'm 100 percent sure they put me in there to butch me up as well which really isn't the most logical thing if you think about it oh no way boy i hated boy scouts until we were camping and seth hill showed me his dick and i was like i love boy scouts <laughs> <laughs> I want to go camping all the time, mom. This is great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had to do Boy Scouts. I mean, I didn't mind Scouts because, like, I feel like you know, it's like it's kind of gay. Like, we made candles. There was like pine cone <laughs> activities. Uh, but sports is what I really could not do. Like oh. basketball, baseball. I got put in all of it, and it was just it was horrible. From like you know, they make you do like shirts versus skins in in practice, mm. and that was just like a fucking nightmare for me like i was the kid who had i would wear an orange sweatshirt for basketball practice and then i would just roll up the front if they told me to be on skins so then mm. they just started calling me like orange sweatshirt kid because like i just i had fucking integrity god damn it i'm not taking my shirt off <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that, that was really that was a really hard thing i remember um again specifically in in the uk um we had sports we had swimming we had god i hated the swimming um locker room yeah. it was very traumatizing because i mean you think american boys are bad like english boys are some of the most rowdy just fucked up kids in the world <laughs> they were they were in the 80s anyway so um, yeah it, it was that, that was not a good i remember always trying to pretend i was sick Oh yeah, and interestingly enough, my first day in or my first week in school in the U.S. in ninth grade, we 
I, I remember thinking moving to the US, I was like, I'm going to start a whole new life and nobody's going to call me, you know, a puff or a fag, whatever. Yeah. Nobody's going to make fun of me. And that, the first PE class I had, that was completely like just oh, no. blown away. <laughs> like, not happening. Oh, because at time, yeah. ask me what happened the first day. <laughs> ask me what fucking happened. What happened the first we're, day? <laughs> we're sitting there in these lines on the floor, like cross legged. <laughs> And I don't know why we were sitting in these. I don't know what it is with me and being in these queues. But, like, we're sitting in line. And you guys, we have these bugs here in the summertime that when it's hot. Like, I still don't know what they are. They look like giant black bumblebees. And they're clumsy. <laughs> and one of them came flying towards me. We don't have those in the UK. I've never seen oh, yeah. like it in my life. And they're I horrible. flip the fuck out and jump up and start <laughs> oh, no. screaming. Oh, <laughs> I'm already six foot two at this point. I'm skinny as a toothpick and I have this big Jufro and I'm screaming like a freaking like <laughs> super fag, like just screaming. Yes. Get it off of me. Get it away from me. It's going to sting me. And oh everyone starts laughing and calling me a fag. And I was like, all right, well, so much for anonymity. Oh, God, that's horrible. I know those bugs <laughs> you're talking about. And that is justified. Those bugs are terrifying. <laughs> what the hell are those? I still don't know I, like what they are. <laughs> I don't know what they're they're a little bit different here in in like Massachusetts where I grew up. We called them June bugs and they were similar, a little different color. But yeah, they're just big and like they're just dumb. They just like bumble around and and I would do the same thing. I used to have to flail my arms and run into my friend Kate's house because there was like a big swarm of them always outside. Oh so God, I feel God. you. That's horrible. Fuck. <laughs> oh man glad we can laugh about it now though oh i'm and gym class is just the worst i mean i used to i used to wear my <laughs> i used to wear my gym clothes under my regular clothes because i didn't want to change in the locker room so i oh. all day long i'd have sweatpants on under my jeans so that i didn't have to change oh bless your heart <laughs> it was if you don't you like you really have to understand like the locker room can be really I don't know how it is now. I think kids here in LA are a lot more open, but there's still homophobia, but it was a really traumatizing thing. You're around a bunch of like teenage boys who are pumped up full of testosterone and just trying to prove their manlyhood at all times. And queer kids are an easy target for them. Um, Oh yeah. And the the last thing you'd want would be for one of them to think that you're looking at them the wrong way. Like that was always what I was scared of. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, like forget, I don't know, horror movies, like really scary things. Like for the longest time, the scariest thing to me was like a group of straight guys and like being stuck with them somewhere. Like that was like a fucking nightmare. Like to this day, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. that's why like a comedy was always like triggering, you know? (laughs) A hundred percent. Did you have any like, like, uh, like, so I had a savior, like my best friend Kate's house was like my saving grace. I felt like it was the place I could go to. And it was, like, the first place I could go and, like, put blankets on my head and, like, be a queen for the weekend. And, like, nobody cared. Because, like, for me, like, you know, everyone at home was a bully and everyone at school was judgmental. And, like, Kate's house was, like, a paradise. So, like, where was the first place that, like, you went and, like, you really just got to be Matthew? Like, the the true, you know, awesomeness that is Matthew. Thank you. Um well, first thing I want to say, even when I tried not to be Matthew, I couldn't do it. Like, that's it's a blessing and a curse. Like, I really yeah. couldn't. I, I was I'm not one of these people that could. I, I'm not a good liar. Let me put it that way. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't really have a safe space in England at all. I would say my safe space was my bedroom with my Madonna posters everywhere. My, 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 my protector and friend was Madonna. And once I moved here, by the time I was in 10th grade, um, I'd come out and I was in, I made friends, I made a few friends. Of course, there were like the punk rockers and the gothic kids and the artists and the weirdos. And I remember having a friend who I just reconnected with recently, actually, uh, because of one of my posts on Instagram, ironically enough. Um, Actually, because of that same post we were just talking about. That's why. See, Um, I'm telling you, people got to follow you. You got the good posts. (laughs) Um, Her name was Amy, and she 
was the first person I, I had some other friends as well through ninth and 10th grade, a few of them who were okay with me being queer, but Amy was the first friend that I had that was like actively, if anybody said the slightest thing to me, like she would go for them. Like yes. I felt so protected around Amy. Like she was 100, she showed me how to be a tough fucking bitch about my queerness. Like she showed me like, you don't have to be the victim. Like people, yes. you know, she, she was incredible and she's still an incredible woman to this day. Um, and I really need to see her cause I haven't seen her in like 20 years, but, um, Amy Tarot, she was she was my protector and my savior and my my uh, cheerleader. I mean, she was so, you know, it's one thing to accept somebody, but it's another thing to actively like love yeah. them for who they are, like actively, like really adore who they are. And she was that person for me. I love that. See, I, I love those people so much because in like the, in the moment, like you, you, you don't realize all this. It's all like retroactive. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, this person was fucking awesome. And, you know, and my Kate was the same way. She was such a badass bitch that like I just yeah, it was just it was inspiring to be around her. Like, you know, just the, the badassery of her attitude. And I just wanted to to, to be like that. And so, yeah, and I, I was always with the girl like I was a. I've always been a girl's gay. I say there's like a gay, there's a man's man, <laughs> a gay's gay, and a girl's gay. And I've always been a girl's gay. Like, forget a group of gay guys. Give me a room full of girls any day. I'll be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I was always a girl's guy. I, I, I think I thought I was a girl, like, as a kid. Like, I didn't see the gender differences. I just knew femininity and masculinity. And I definitely fell into the femininity. And I wanted to be friends with the girls. But um, when I was little, I remember most of them, if I was alone with one of them, it would be cool. But then if they were in a group together, like they would start, you know, fucking with me because I wasn't cool yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, but yeah, I definitely relate to that. Like women, like definitely 100% a feminist. And I think that it's a big part of it is to do with the fact that guys weren't the ones who were telling me I was okay as a kid. It was always girls always. Yeah. Um, and the real toughness, I never saw that coming from guys. I saw inflated, like, macho ego, but yeah, ego, testosterone, like, bullshit. With the girls, the girls that were tough and that protected me, they were really fucking tough. And they were strong. And they showed me how to be tough and strong. So I owe a lot to women. Same here. I, I, I've always, you know, all of my inspiration all, in, in real life and on TV or whatever has always been women. And, you know, I just, you know, when I was a kid, like I wanted to be a girl, but not like, you know, not like change my body. You know, I, I, yeah. I've always been fine with my body. I liked, you know, I liked my little peen. I liked all of that. I just wanted to be <laughs> Ariel. Like I wanted to be a fucking mermaid. And that was that. Um, exactly. but, <laughs> but, you know, I still um, feel you. I wanted to yeah. be Jem from Jem and the Holograms. Oh my God, I loved Jem. Yes. Oh my, <laughs> she was so mysteriously fabulous. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Jem and Shira. I thought Shira was stunning. Like all that Shira was long, long, long flowy hair. All of them were fabulous. I mean, even that horrible Vicky robot show. Like I was about all of these crazy, <laughs> you know, female female energies, and uh, yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, I do want to. I want to. I want to move forward and find out. I ask everybody this. Well, first of all, I have to find out if you're a gold star gay, and then I need to know about your virginity. The who, what, where, why, huh? how of <laughs> your virginity. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um. So, what's the first? Am I a gold star gay? That means well, go, never, Yeah. Like, go, are you? Are you a pure blood? I used to have like a whole seven minute thing on gold stars because like I, I, I had sex with a girl like like six seven girls because i was on like a straight uh, I, was, I was on a straight method actor mission but um so yeah i always <laughs> like to find out like did you end up with a girl or did you go right with guys and like and then how did that go <laughs> i mean as a younger teen like in london when i was 13 i had a girlfriend and i never like had intercourse with her but there was like touching and kissing very innocent and very cute okay um, okay then, little petting <laughs> When I moved here, I had like three girlfriends, but all of them just lasted like a week and it just became really good friends. Um, but I never had sex with any of them. My girlfriend in London, I 
I, I don't like, yeah, like I fingered her. I can't believe I'm talking about this, but yeah, that was the extent of it. <laughs> believe it, believe it. That's how we do it here on Thomas Anonymous. <laughs> so great. Um, I just remember not liking what I was <laughs> feeling. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't like the squishiness. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, but we ended up becoming friends too. So, yeah, I guess, does that make me a gold star gay? Like, I guess so. Yeah, you're you're technically I wouldn't say pure blood, but you are you're a gold star <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> All right. um uh, yeah, I definitely had sex with a girl before I had sex with a guy, but it's like once I started with guys, it's like that whole bi story really started to fade, you know, because it's like the preference was like, Oh, this is way better. So when did you, <laughs> you were just, like, when did you, you were you... bi in theory, not in practice? <laughs> right. Oh, you know what? Let me play this message before I get into more virgin questions. Hello, beautiful people. How's it going? Uh, hello, Matthew. Um, my name's Keith Andrew. I'm a, I'm a regular on stereo, and uh, I know this uh, little troll up here, Thomas Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Thomas? Love you. Um, I've just woken up to get a drink of water because it is four a.m. in the morning here in the UK. Um, but I heard you on stereo, and I wanted to tune in to the Thomas Anonymous show. So I'm just sending lots of love to you guys and hope the show goes well. Mwah. Oh, Keith, Andrew, I love you. Thank you so much for leaving a little message here. And um, he's going to be on the Thomas Anonymous show uh, later in the month. And uh, we do a little chit chat once a week now. We talk about just gay stuff. We just like to talk about gay stuff. See, he's a great example of like actually meeting someone on this app that that's like cool that I don't mind like talking to. That's like actually real. Like th- it, it has some cool things about it. I just think it's going to take a while for it to like get there, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's I'm intrigued by it. Well, Keith, thank you for, for leaving a message. You sound super cool. And thank you for reminding me of the UK. Yeah, there's lots of um, there's lots of stereo UK uh, business happening on here. But let's get back to your virginity. I don't want to lose focus here. <laughs> I was hoping we would <laughs> skim past that part. Well, we and um, you know, and I'm not talking. I don't need like dirty details. I honestly, I just like to uh, figure out like how did people like figure out where to get like gay laid you know that was for me that was like the biggest mystery of like like where do i go how do you know i ended up like fooling around with a guy i met at this restaurant i worked at but like when it came to like hooking up like i i did like internet research how i found out about rest stops and like i didn't really know about any of that stuff so Mm. yeah like i just i like to know like how did you you know make your first connection like was it through a dating thing or was it just like in real life well, when I was a really little, like not really, well, yeah, really little, like pre-pubescent and pubescent uh, again back in London, I remember fooling around with like a neighborhood kid and like like innocent, like, you know, playing around. Yeah. And then the the real, like, God, I remember fooling around with a couple of guys when I was like 15, 16, um, but I was really a late bloomer with sex. Like, I just never quite got it. If that makes sense, I was never very good at yeah. it. I remember the first time I had, butt sex i was tw- like 21 and it was not the it was not a good experience at all like i was at, mm. uh, i went to rage here in west hollywood and i was with some friends and i got really stupid drunk like ridiculously drunk and oh my God. they went home i remember the club closed so it must have been around three in the morning and i was just like drunk on the floor like a crackhead uh in front of rage <laughs> and this older man who I mean, at the time, I thought he was older. He was probably only, like, in his 30s, maybe, maybe right. his 40s. Came and uh, uh, picked me up and took me to his house. And we he fucked me. And it was not fun. Like, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, n- not a good first or experience in general. No. And it was very, it was very, um, he was just a, a gross older guy who was taking advantage of somebody drunk and young and... Um, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, but whatever. It, it is what it is. It's part of my journey. It's part of my path. And I didn't, I'm not going to say I didn't have sex. Like, I did. I dated. I had boyfriends. But again, I never quite understood, like, how it worked. And I'm, now that I'm talking about it, I wonder if it's something to do with, like, you know, straight people like have so many or i don't know how it is now but straight kids had so many sort of thing things to learn from be it their parents or be it television we never really had that 
Um, so I didn't know what was what. And it wasn't until, I don't know, well into my probably early 30s that I started to really kind of get my, you know, mojo, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's so weird. Like, it's that guy, the guy you described that uh, got you at rage. Like, I feel like that I, I've had like 40 of those guys like blow me like. I was so scared of like I didn't even get into anal until like 30 because like I was so scared of you know of diseases of AIDS I was just I was really paranoid and so for the longest time like I didn't even get into any you know like blowjobs were like the biggest you know I thought I was so like sexually like revolutionary because like I was getting blowjobs but like that was really it it wasn't anything <laughs> it was like so crazy but um but yeah, like the start of my 30s, I actually experienced like good sex. I mean, I really yeah. think it took that long to like enjoy both sides of it. You know, it's it's it, like you said, like straight people. I don't know. It's just like it's there's no questioning like or how does this happen or, or where do we go? But like they don't have to worry about like where they're going to meet. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just it's very different for us. It's there's a there's a lot of mystery to unravel as a, as a person part of the rainbow gang, you know? Yeah, you really have to figure it out on your own. I mean, it's better now than it was in the 80s and 90s, that's for sure. But like, it's still, you know, like, I remember when we had health class, and this was here when I was in high school, I remember somebody jokingly asking the teacher, it was like, they were talking about sex. And um, somebody jokingly asked about butt sex and how gays do it. And the teacher mm. said, well, the anus wasn't designed for that. So it's not healthy. And <laughs> oh my God. I, it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. And everybody's laughing. She's not doing anything to stop anybody from laughing. Like, it was just not good. Um, yeah. But I, I and she's wrong. This. She's it is so designed wrong. for it. <laughs> it is, listen, anything is designed for anything. I'm sorry. Your body, your choice. You do with it what you want when you're a freaking consenting right. adult. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, but I, I interestingly didn't, you know, I, I started doing drag when I was like 16 and I only did it for like a year because it made my family go insane and like the yeah. Persian Jewish community. But I didn't start doing it again until like four years ago. And interestingly enough, I have had the best sex of my life after I started. What? Drag. Yeah. What? Yeah, I you've alluded there's... to some of it on, um, on your podcast, which, by the way, I love um, Cooking the Queens is like, I only listen to like three podcasts and your podcast is one of them. So oh, thank it's good. you. Yeah. Yeah. Cooking um, the Queens with Teddy and the Empress. I don't believe that there is such a thing as a straight man anymore. I will say that. I've learned a lot. <laughs> what I have learned is. I always thought women were more sexually fluid. Now I've realized that they're actually not. It's just that the ones who are are more open about it. Right. Men are way more sexually fluid. And it makes a lot more sense because men are just horny all the time. And when they see... I, when they see a drag queen, I'm not talking about like a kooky, like wacky drag queen. I'm talking about one that looks yeah. fucking pretty. Real. Not, yes. Not, not even real. Like, I don't think I look like a woman. Like, I'm not trying to fool anybody. But I think I give off a certain vibe. And men see that. And I can understand why. If you're attracted to femininity, drag queen, a drag queen certainly doing what I do is giving you, like, feminine times to... It's like feminine on steroids. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, it's, it's overdone. So they lose their fucking minds. But the part that trips me out the most is how many of them want to give head and how many of them are curious about dick and how many of them ask to get fucked. Because there is... <gasps> oh, oh my God. We have to schedule a whole separate lunch. This is so fascinating. <laughs> Baby, <laughs> throw on a wig and some lipstick and your life will change. <laughs> Let me tell you. Mm. Oh my God. No, this is... I mean, because it's like... It's what, kind of what I've always suspected, you know, overall about, about men. There's always yeah. been that homoerotic thing that, like, we all have. So, like, God, that... That makes me feel really good. I love that. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, there's two things I want to touch on. Firstly, like I tried to do research about it. And the only thing I could really find was that men have an innate preoccupation with dick. Like since we were cavemen, like it's just yeah. a thing. Like it's not necessarily a sexual thing. It's just like this fascination. Secondly, I want to actually three things to point on. Secondly, um, I don't think it may everybody when I tell people they're like, oh, well, they're just in the closet. I think maybe some of them are, but I don't mm -hmm. I don't um, 
doubt their heterosexual identity at all. Yeah. I don't. And I think that that's I think that that's really shitty that we have to put people in a box like that and that society it's fucked up because straight men are kind of at the top of the totem pole in our society. But when you think about it, they also have, because of that, they have all of this to live up to. And there's this major fear because of society's standards. There's this major fear of coming across as anything less than straight and manly. So they, they're the ones that feel shame and have to do this in private or in secret. And that that's really shitty. And the third thing that I want to touch upon is that it's really fun and it's really cool, but it's also a mind fuck for me because, it's not like any of them will ever date me it's very rare right so yeah as long as i know what it is and i'm you know i'm well aware that i'm being exploited but i'm exploiting them too so it's a give and take exploitation as long as i'm okay with that and don't fall for anybody which hasn't really happened in a long time it's yeah all good you know Wow, I love that. I love those points because that's so true. You know, we and and I've been guilty of this for a long time of just like not even not even really taking into consideration the experience of the straight man. You know, we it's so easy to drag them that drag them down. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, just, just like we have that pressure, they have that pressure even more. You know, especially being straight, there's a lot of masculinity things to live up to. So that's that's gonna be a, yeah. a little bit of a mindfuck for everyone. And but I mean. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's so interesting. I love that. It's an interest, definitely an interesting topic. One, I like still, even though I actively engage in it, like I'm still so curious about it and want to learn more about it. Just And, and we're making strides as a society. I mean, I saw this cool documentary on YouTube, which forgive me, I forget what it's called, but it's all about this. It's literally about this. Yeah. Fuck. If I could remember what it's called, I will tell you later. But it is so good because it basically talks about this very thing, like, where men or, or guys are conditioned to make fun of each other, um, to belittle each other, and even physically harm each other for being anything less than heterosexual and macho, when the truth is a lot of the time, a lot of them are attracted by, yeah. by nature. Straight men are attracted to femininity. And femininity doesn't always come in the form of a female body. So you get a man who's attracted to somebody else who's biologically a male, but they're feminine, and this man is now ashamed of it and won't act on it and if he does act on it he might end up hurting the person because i mean like beating them up or killing them because he's so conflicted about it like it's it's just a lot when the truth of the matter is we're all usually feminine or masculine regardless of what your physical sex is so there's we're beginning to understand more you know god i love everything you're saying you're like a true advocate you know what you're talking about (laughs) thank you i'm just living my truth oh my god that was so great i'm so glad it's not over i'm so glad there's a part two thank you matthew aka the empress but we will have more of this great talk in the next episode in the meantime you guys can follow the show on instagram at thomas anonymous pod okay bye oh wait just kidding also remember to download <laughs> i forgot i have a job to do i I'll, bleh, bleh, bleh. i'm not going back Remember to download Stereo app. Download Stereo, you guys, and follow Thomas Anonymous on Stereo. That way you will know when I'm broadcasting live doing this show and when I do other topics on Stereo as well. Okay, now I can say it. Okay, bye.